birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday inside the table, tabletop property cheese show, show which is talking about the craft tabletop role playing games. <laughs> Happy birthday to us. Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of Inside the Table. Uh, it is our birthday episode, even though we skipped last time. Um, it is, it is, if you, if you times the number 26 by 2, you get the number 52. And that's how many weeks there are in a year. And we do it every two weeks. So technically, this is our birthday, even though I'm not really sure what day we actually started. So, uh, welcome to that. Welcome to us. Um, and, and yes, my name is Marley. You can follow me at Mina underscore Lenahanna. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, and joining me today is my co-host. Hi there. I am Cole, aka Ice Cold Brew. And, uh, imagine me, uh, blowing one of those, like, little unfurling pipes that do, like, a little whistle <laughs> for our birthday. The unfurling pipes, you know. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Or, like, I don't know, not know what they're called. That's, that's the best idea. Kind of like a one-tier uh, cake of whatever flavor you imagine tabletop RPGs to be about. When I was three, for some reason, I decided I was never going to enjoy cake again. And so I just have never eaten cake since. I have eaten cake from time to time, but I just prefer not to. But I'm, I'm passing my cake on to you, and I'm saying happy birthday. Congratulations on the year of this podcast. It's, it's, it's been a lot of hard work. I think last, last fortnight was an oddly, it came out of nowhere, it just hit us out of nowhere, but that was a really difficult week. I just released a game, and so I was like, all right, time to do this. And you had like the worst day of your life. It was, oh, <laughs> it, it was a nightmare. Like Holly and I, we went out, we had a wonderful night with our friends. We drove there separately because she was coming from work and I just got there earlier because I wanted to be there earlier for stuff. And yeah. uh, then her battery died. So we went out, bought a battery, got the wrong size battery, shout out to Walmart for telling us the wrong battery. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tried to change the car battery for about three hours, gave up, called triple A, triple A said, yeah, we'll be there uh, in a couple hours. And then said, yeah, we'll be there by 6 a.m. And uh, that wasn't going to fly. So I was like, fuck it. We leave the car here. And yeah. uh, we'll take my car home and I'll take you to work and then we'll figure this out. And then on the way home, someone just dumped a whole bunch of fucking like sharp rocks on the <laughs> road, I guess. And I dodged two of them. But the third one got me and I happened to see two other cars pulled over also changing their tire. How big were the rocks? Um, it like I'm imagining like the size of your head. Uh, not that big, not that big. Okay. Uh, imagine like a foot, um, like a soccer ball size, like a football. Oh, that's 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 pretty big. It's pretty big. Wow. Okay. But yeah, popped my tire, rolled in. Uh, good news was, um, we were able to get that fixed. Had some people help out on that, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Uh, got Holly's car fixed. Had <laughs> which also helped out a lot. But mm -hmm. yeah, it just kind of continued to go downhill from there. It was. Yeah, I've had a this month fucking sucks. Like, fuck, it's May. been a rough one. It's been a rough one. So so that's why we why we missed last episode. May the force kiss, kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good old. I love that Star Wars line. That's my favorite Star Wars line. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so today we're going to talk about sanity mechanics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but first, uh, what's been inspiring you apart from terrible, terrible disasters with cars? Well, uh, I'll start with the first thing, which is because we share one of these items. But yeah, yes. uh, Darkest Dungeons 2 came out recently, and I picked that game up because I... Ironically enough, because we're talking about sanity mechanics, Darkest Dungeon 1 had sanity mechanics in it. And uh, the second one has kind of done a flip on that. You still have your character quirks, you know, something that makes them very positive, something that are extremely negative and has a flaw in them. But instead of uh, sanity now, they have like meltdowns and then like uh, uh, not retributions, um, resilience. And yeah, all the these things happen according to what their relationship status were and how stressed they are, which I think is a very a much better way where like if your character has a meltdown where the stress just kind of breaks them, you know, and fortune the dark terms, if you max out on stress, uh, you take a, a quirk. Essentially, you have your meltdown and that affects your relationship with everyone, because, you know, when yeah. someone has a stressful time in a relationship. And then you give out like a line or something. You say like, "Oh, fuck you!" Or something. Yeah, yeah whenever, you, whenever they do a specific thing, it's interesting. I've actually had it to where like my entire squad of fours relationship with everyone was so bad that as soon as we stopped at the next end, they were like, "This person's gonna stab me in the fucking back." I bet you they're gonna fucking stab yeah. me in the back, and they and I couldn't use like any of their moves because every person had like something they hated about the other person that would make them more suspicious. And then stress them yeah. out more if I use that move. Is it so? So in the original game, mm-hmm. the original game was you take a group of people, go into a dungeon. They have a single torch light as they go through it all, uh, and if they die down there, they stay down there. But this game is different in that, like, I remember I was watching it. I cannot play this game for the life of me because it's too complicated for me. It's very complicated. But as I understand it, you can have a relationship on like one like little outing and then you stop and then does it reset or do the relationships continue between each run because it's kind of like a roguelike is that right yeah that's like right well like so my understanding of the game right now so to explain what darkest dungeon 2 is about it is essentially you are the person running a caravan you are running a single wagon up to the top of a mountain the entire land is desecrated, corrupted. Uh, there are cultists running about trying to bring the end of the world. Creatures are corrupt and evil. Undead are rising. And you have a single flame of hope. You are the yes. uh, one person who can make a difference. And this was gifted to you by a friend who says he trusts you. And there are like multiple chapters to go through and all that. And your goal is to go through three different areas and then reach a mountain where you fight the ultra horror that is causing all this, apparently. Uh, and what they do differently, where in Darkest Dungeons 1, you had to wait to see who you could pick up when they wandered into town and then hire them. This is, I am pulling you out of the graveyard and you are now this person. Tell me what your memories are. Oh, wait, do, do you picking up dead people? Is that how the game starts? You don't pick them up. You go into like this ghost, you go into like a shadow realm. Okay. Uh, in the very beginning, which like gives you your little backstory of like, ah, uh, yes. You remember, you and I both hated parties. They, we thought they were the biggest bullshit, so we made our connection by both 
standing outside away from a party and mocking everyone inside. And this was our time in university. Right. Okay. And then uh, you go to a crossroads and at this crossroads is like where you get to meet the people and you can set up your party in a certain way. Make sure you put them in good positions where they can excel because you will be fucked if yep. uh, you don't do that. Because I found that out the hard way uh, my first time doing it. Yeah. But uh, it's like the enemies move you around because you're like you're in a row of four always. Yeah. And then you just kind of flip around all the time. And that's like the big. It's it's complicated. You want to also have people who can use abilities and like every single spot if possible, because. uh Yeah. You know, when you're down to two people and your healer is supposed to be at the very back line of the fourth, but they're forced all the way up to the second line. And then you have your tank who's at the very front, uh, not able to do anything because they're uh, up in the front, but they can't be healed. It makes it really difficult. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you also get like these little candles of memory, which are supposed to like represent like fueling memory of hope and all that kind of stuff. And that's how you, you unlock spend them to level up. Yeah, you spend them to. Unlock items, uh, level up your wagon, level up stuff around you, increase chance of things happening, and unlock characters mm -hmm. as well, too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite character? The leper, because that's my strong lad. Okay. Just chops through everything. Is miserable all the time, but chops through everything. A modern day hero. Also the, the highwayman. I'm going to Google highway. I think that's the one that I know about. Because there's four starting ones, the... Uh, that doesn't help me. It's the uh, Plague Doctor, the Grave Robber, the Highwayman, and the uh, Barristan. The Man-at-Arms, yes. I mean. Yeah, the Highwayman's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, Highwayman's great. Uh, yeah. One thing you also get to do throughout the game, too, is as you're going and exploring those different areas, you actually get the backstory mm. of each and every member. By going to these shrines of memory, and uh, when you do that, you get to essentially explore a part of their life. Some of it's interactive, some of it's not. Like if I was doing the Highwayman, uh, and this is like the very, very first one if you happen to do his, but you'll find out mm. he broke out of prison, and he had to do a whole thing where you had to like fight prison guards uh, through it, and it was just like a 1v4 situation, and I like barely got out of that one alive because I fucked it up a bit a couple times. Yeah. Uh, I saw someone die during that one. I was watching a Let's Play of it, and they died, and so they didn't get to do the memory. And so they had to come back and do that memory another time because they, they failed. Yeah. Because they were, like, messing around not doing the mechanics right or something. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. I I like it. I like those segments a lot, too, Uh, just because, like, it's something very different and lets you feel like, oh, this is how this person came this way. Uh, yeah. Not going into the lepers, but his opening one is extremely sad i'm gonna google what the leper looks like yeah he's the uh, guy with like a half mask and walks around with like a like a big fuck off sword that's like chopped at the top yeah it looks cool as hell he is so cool i like him but yeah um yeah darkest dungeon 2 is very fun and just feels very different especially because mm. like driving the wagon around you uh, can pick up trinkets and relics and extra items by, like, running over the little uh, obstacles in the way, and that's how you collect stuff. What I wondered I'm... if that, like, damaged your wagon or anything. No, there's other things that will okay. do that for you. Right. But I, I do wonder if it, like, affects relationships as well. If, like, you just keep running mm -hmm. over stuff, if, like, you're 
squad gets like more and more irritated, so it brings a little the relationship down. <laughs> it would for me. It would so annoying. Yeah. Well, wagons aren't great to ride in in the first place, anyway. So. Yeah. 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 It, it, I'm enjoying it. I want to play more of it, and who knows? I might play it on stream at some point soon. Whenever I have free time. Yeah, you're back into streaming. I saw you did the the Rocket League stream the other day. Yeah, I was. So for that one, I was actually just testing to see if my computer could hold up to if I started doing a broadcast on my own computer and started mm-hmm. casting that way. And in some sense, it can, but not well enough. I need to uh, up my right. RAM and processing power. So I just need to buy a few more parts. And that's going to be about okay. 250 worth of parts to get that changed out. Damn. Or you can just stream badly. I could stream badly, but then I'd feel terrible for the players I'm casting for. <sighs> Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> we, so, big tangent here, but we actually had that situation happen last night on a uh, stream I was doing. Well, not that I was doing, but like we were having a new broadcaster come to step in to cover for someone who wasn't feeling well. And mm-hmm. no fault of her own. It is straight up the fault of the pros, uh, software we're using. We were using Video Ninja to capture my face and my co-caster's face and uh, basically use that as like the source for the voiceover uh the Mm -hmm. stream itself was going okay but video ninja was just shitting the bed and having us go robot we weren't processed correctly you couldn't hear us right and so we had to cancel the stream so what we did instead was uh we told the team had already started their first game we wrapped it up there and then oh everything just turned off there we go okay cool screensaver just oh no (laughs) you're back there you're back in the moment i'm back in the moment i'm gonna pop this up so this way my uh, computer does go to screensaver mode that quickly uh okay oh i just move my mouse around constantly yeah that's what i was saying uh so what we ended up doing instead was after that because we couldn't really stream through uh video ninja to get it onto twitch we decided in a spur of the moment eh, fuck it we'll just do it through the discord so we had like 30 people join a discord call and it's me and the co-caster with our broadcaster stream in the game because she still had like all the uh, plugins and such to show off everyone's uh, stat lines and such. And it's just me and him yeah. bouncing off each other uh, through the casting in like a community moment. And it was really nice and it was really fun to just like be able to see and have people like live react to us uh, whenever we popped off because you don't get to see that whenever it's gameplay. It was really fun. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. Nice little community moment for us. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what have you been up to? Well, I'll I'll talk about something we've both been up to, which is well, kind of. Uh, the Tears of the King Zelda, hmm. the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out two weeks ago, one week ago. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a Switch, but I've been watching the hell out of all the Let's Plays, and I've been enjoying the hell out of it. It's been so much fun. Like, it's similar to like how I um originally came across the game, which is just going to my friend's house. And just watching them play. And now it's like the same experience of just seeing everyone discover all the weird new mechanics and mm-hmm. stuff. And I've been watching like four different people play like the opening hours and like going um past that. And just being like, oh my god, you're discovering the thing the other person discovered. Oh, you're going to react to this in a really fun way. And so I've just been like watching this game. And like, it's been interesting because like my... It's like, do you know when you... um. Sometimes when you play a game too much, 
you like have these impulses when you play another game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching so another friend of mine play a uh, uh, playing Breath of the Wild, and I was like, use the ascend ability, which is the ability to go through like um, ceilings and go around. And yeah. I was just like, just from watching these let's plays, I just had these like, oh, you should do this. This is the impulse you should get for this sort of thing. <laughs> And so I've just been living vicariously through various streamers playing this game. It's, um, it's such a fun game. Yeah, how has it been actually playing the game? Because you actually, you have been playing the game. Yeah. And please tell. <laughs> yeah. So the game itself is pretty fun. Uh, it's It feels different. It feels nice and different. It does have <laughs> the Animal Crossing problem of, like, the selection wheel, which is, again, its own yeah. thing, but, you know... Not everything can be perfect. Which they changed. Yeah. It used to be you had to cycle through them. Now you can just select it and it seems unreliable. <laughs> it's very unreliable, but you know what? I'll take, I, I'll take it. The abilities are fun. Uh, Ascend yeah. is like the most clutch ability you can use. Like I. Uh, oh, God. Like a little spoilers thing about a mechanic you can do, but I don't want to say in case people. Uh, because the joy of it is finding out what you can do with the different abilities, I would say. Yeah, and I will say, okay, okay, we can say here now that we now have uh, timestamps in the the podcast. So if you want to skip to the next segment, there will be a timestamp about when we start talking about like tabletop RPGs or whatever. So you can just spoil it if you want and jump ahead because I feel like, yeah, we can I, do that now. I, I technology think you, has advanced. Technology has advanced. I think you might see this part, but the uh, part where when you fight at Stone Talus. You can ascend through mm. a talus if you want to. Yeah, that part's fun. Uh, I love doing that. They suck. Have you have how how is how has it been fighting the the big stone talus fighting people? Uh, I typically avoided them. They are yeah. one hits. And They're really annoying. hard. And now the battle talus thing, which is a very cool idea. Mm. Fuck the person who came up with that. Yeah, I saw someone fighting it, and it was it was a nightmare. Just like. It took them like five tries to do it as they were like, it was really interesting watching because they were gradually learning like, like when, like how to reverse the, 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 the boulder they throw to hit them, Mm -hmm. when to ascend, how many hits to do. And just watching them learn that through all these times after being like one hit killed every time, it was just like really frustrating, but just like, wow, it was so cool when they learn how to do stuff. Yeah. It it's very fun. Uh, Holly has been playing more of it. I sometimes will jump in for her whenever she needs to work on art commissions, and uh, we yeah. both have very different play styles and how we approach. Do things. you have the same? Do you have the same save file for both of you? Oh yeah, no, we share it. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, we share the save file. It's just like whenever uh, I play, I play like in one certain way, and I'm like uh, the. For me, exploring is always, like, the first option, and, you know, I want to, like, follow up on stuff. For her, it's like, I need to go see this character first, I need to go see this character. I saw a lot of posts in the fish fish area. <laughs> yeah, no, Holly is hard crushing on Sidon, and, I yeah. mean, I get it, but also, uh, I remember when I started playing it, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go down to this area. She's like, why not go to the Zora region? I'm like, because I don't want to go there right now. I've ever it seems to be the last one that people are going to I watched like a bunch of people like play through it they always go to the bird one first mm-hmm. then they go to what's the next one the Goron then they go to the desert people Gerudo yeah the Gerudo and I haven't seen 
I haven't seen the fish place yet, so I'm very curious to see the Let's Play scope. Uh, I will say the Zora region has its own annoying parts to it, but I think yeah. honestly, so there, the reason why a lot of people go to the Rudo, which is the bird people, the reason they go to the Rudo first is because that's where you find a Hestu on the way, and it starts like a series oh, right. of quests as well, too. So people typically want to go up there to find and uh, has to so they can start expanding their inventory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a, again, it's like a gameplay difference. Like for me, my whole thing was like, oh, there's a side quest area here where I can go fight pirates. I'm going to go do that instead. Or, uh, oh, hey, mm -hmm. I saw a video where I can go into the cat, like to the Hyrule castle by doing this and pick up these items. So I'm going to go do that instead. Yeah. Just, no, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And the fact that there's, like, three different worlds, there's, like, the Sky World, the Underworld, and the Main World, and all the rest of it, it's just so much fun. Just, like, seeing people, like, oh, I just spent all my time in the dark, in the in the deep, and all the rest of it. And I'm just like, that's cool. I like the fact that this is a thing. Oh, yeah. No. Um, it. What's also really fun is just, like, I love their justification of, like, yeah, all the weapons you used to love are all shit. Because of this yeah. weird goo. They all rotted away. Yeah. I love that. Because of this Princess Mononoke shit. Yeah. And, uh... It's very funny how it's always Princess Mononoke. <laughs> always Princess Mononoke. But yeah, <laughs> I do think the fun bit now is, like, finding all the different combinations of items you can do. And then also how you can combine stuff with different tools. Which yeah. is... Oh, God. Uh, just finding it, out... What is... What is your favorite? Um... I think my favorite right now is just putting a cart, like a uh, yeah. mine cart or a uh, like one of those plate wheeled things onto a shield and skateboarding. Yeah, everyone I've seen who's who's been playing this game have always just missed doing that. I've seen like like Twitter like posts about like how cool that is, and I want to see people like skating more. But everyone I'm watching is just isn't doing that. Like people suggest in the chat, they're just like, "I'm not doing that because you tell me what to do or whatever." Yeah, which I I I I, I, I like. But I'm just like, I want to see that. I want to see people do that. Yeah, there's definitely a part of me that like I want to go and pick up a whole bunch of spare shields, go to wherever I know I could get carts and wagons and mine carts, and just continue to uh. Just make as many skateboards. Just stock up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I do wish this game had. I wish I had like a storage area I could leave stuff in outside of like the mannequins from Breath yeah. of the Wild. Yeah. I haven't seen one in the Let's Plays that I've been watching. Yeah. But yeah, I cannot, I also cannot wait to see like whatever, like, because I feel, I feel like there's like a bunch of like Breath of the Wild inspired tabletop RPGs out there. And I want to see like the much more expansive and like complicated Tears of the Kingdom tabletop RPGs that come out. <laughs> like, give me a crafting game or something like that. Oh god. Um that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh that that would be interesting, but yeah. I feel like the whole uh uh Tears of the Kingdom style of story and like, you know, broken world and discover this area, dive down to this area. That's a lot of different games. Um, Icon's just yeah. like the first one I can think of off the top of my head right now. Yeah, and and of course, uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Five uh, Fifth Edition. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, uh, Ryan is, is probably the best system for. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if uh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom had like basically a connection, uh, connect a relationship match in the same way Ryan does. That'd be cool. 
Whoa. You know how like you uh, you roll with emotions, you make little strings yes. of people and such to represent like uh, connections and all that. I didn't think I didn't think like Link has enough of that going on inside is my feeling. I feel like Link kind of is just going with the flow, but doesn't have strong feelings either way. Like, he wouldn't, like... I mean, I guess he chases after Zelda a lot, but that's, like, the strongest emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is just me reading into into Link and just being like, well, this is an emotionless killing machine. I... Because, like, there is actual written diary entries from Zelda about, like, oh, I got Link this gift, but I'm going to hide it in this, like, little puzzle because I know he loves puzzles. Yeah. I guess it's just joy... And and death. It's like that's that's the that's the. I mean, this is this is my reading. This is not definitive. Joy, but... death, and fucking up Koroks. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Koroks. <laughs> I don't know why I hate them so much. But it's very it's, it's because people are, like had to deal with like hunting down nine hundred of them in order to yeah. like complete the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like we've talked about Zelda enough. Let's so let's the entire episode now about Zelda. Fuck tabletop RPGs. No, <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, speaking of like a crafting system and um, different interpretations, there was a game we actually got sent to us that you checked out. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, I was wondering where you're going with that one. I'm just like figure this out but yeah uh we got sent uh uh wreck this deck uh uh by becky anison uh which is an upcoming game they're going to be funded on backer kit from june 1st and it is a very very weird game it's fascinating it's it's really interesting uh to to give the general gist to give like i'm gonna give the subtitle for it which i read and i was just like huh okay um, it is a solo journaling and deck crafting game for the discerning demonologist. And I'm like, okay, I know what you you is. It's just like that, right? <laughs> and it's so, all right. I had this thing in my brain when I was reading it, which is there was a movie that came out in the mid 2000s um, that had a scene where a magician came out and uh, was auditioning an act and the, uh, the, 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 the guy who ran the theater said, all right, I'll come out, I'll see your act, I'll see how it, uh, how it happened. And the guy does the trick, and then the person is like, oh, forgive me, it's been a while since I've seen real magic. We'll have to dress it up a bit. And reading this book is, is a very similar experience to that, because like I'm reading this, and I'm like, all right, the way a number of tabletop RPGs usually do this is, all right, I'm going to pitch a, I'm gonna, this is a, a thing that you can throw into a middle of a D&D campaign or like something else. If you want to explore a certain kind of story that other systems don't do, this is how you do the, the, DN, the demonologist minigame. Or it's like, okay, you want to explore like a, a certain type of media or something like this. Reading this book feels like I've actually come across something that's genuinely magical like genuinely an occult artifact <laughs> and I'm reading through it and it's like, there is like, it has, it's the, 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 it, it describes that you play a character called a deck, a deck runner, which sounds kind of cyberpunky. And I think it's mm-hmm. meant to be kind of cyberpunky. 
um, where you basically build up a deck, fill it with demons, and use those demons to either play, uh, to either tell the future, do a fortune telling thing, do a ritual, uh, trap a demon, or do a hex. And it sort of describes like things like you have a community, you can describe like you can come up with, um, you know, the community you're supporting and do like a journaling thing like this. Um, and then you do basically like a little bit of like the, 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 the game's called wreck this deck. And so what you do is you, you draw on them, you tear them up. When you trap demons, it has descriptions about how you trap specific demons. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm reading through it and I'm just like, this could just work in life, right? Because, like, people use tarot decks to sort of, like, have this sort of, like, the fortune-telling kind of thing and, like, tell what's happening next. And, like, one of the common things with a lot of tabletop RPGs is that you shouldn't use real uh, tarot decks because it's, there is something, you know, really magical about them and you shouldn't mess around with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like reading this is, like, you are literally creating, like, tarot decks and it, like, it references, like, demons that have been in old occult things. Like, it references, you know... Um, Ismodius, the, 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 the demon of lust, who I think was in like the lesser key of Solomon and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, part of me is just like, okay, this is really fun. This is like a true, like, a um, it's kind of like, uh, those films where someone, uh, those films are like those, those sort of short stories where someone comes across a thing, they think it's a joke. And as they mess around, like, oh my God, it's real. It's like, it's like that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, it's just, it's really good. It's like, I'm reading through this and I'm like, I'm believing the fiction. I'm like, holy shit. You know, you're putting a demon into the, into this, into this card. And the more you mess around with it, the worse it gets, the more dangerous it gets. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. It's very scary. <laughs> well, like, it, it's fascinating that you say that, like, it could be magic, but, like, using a deck of playing tar cards is actually a form of divination fortune telling called cardomancy. Yeah. But, yeah, no. Yeah. I, I was reading through this, and it's a very fascinating concept. It's really interesting how they pitch this game and then how they pitch the uh, different uh, segments they can do for journaling and how each... You know, if you want to hex someone, if you want to make a ritual, there are different rules for each. What kind of demons are bound mm -hmm. to what? A uh, whole bunch of fascinating stuff. And, you know, don't like this deck is going to be ruined in so many different ways. You will not be able to play poker with it. But uh, yeah, but uh, or you would, but it's going to be a fucked up game of poker. It's going to be a very fucked up game of poker. Oh, that's a good concept. Um. You'll draw up the you'll draw up Falu, the luck demon, who is whose card is so valuable and so lucky that someone's definitely going to try and steal it, mm -hmm. steal it from you. Yeah, and it's going to be covered completely in gold paint, I think. Mm-hmm. God, but which is fun. Yeah, but yeah, I love the the rule. Uh, I was actually saying, like reading through this, it would be really fascinating to see this as expanded into like a convention game as well, too, where like you have a. Uh, you have like a group get together and you start trading demons with each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? The problem is uh, rule two is keep it safe and never let another person touch, touch it. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of, it's, it's deeply fascinating because like uh, it says like one of the big inspirations, I think in the, uh, the press kit we got sent to us was um, a thing called 
artist trading cards, mm -hmm. which I had to Google to find out what it is. But as I understand it, it's basically like artists used to sort of send in or still do question mark like cards into a deck and then they get sent out mm -hmm. and so you basically get like a deck of cards that have been altered did i research that very well no <laughs> i did not but if you google artist trading cards you'll have a clear idea that i, I do. do know what you're talking about <laughs> I, you mentioned that and i was like oh shit that's something holly used to do when she was going to conventions yeah. all the time like that's a that's a big thing of just like doing art trades whenever you go and uh mm. It's it's very fun to think about. Uh, this would be a very, very interesting game to like introduce people to journaling as well. I would say it's yeah, it lacks it's it's sort of interesting because it lacks some of the structure of like a uh, like a what's that thousand year old vampire? Is yeah, that a thousand year old right vampire. Title? It doesn't really. It doesn't. It doesn't have like the these are the modes. These are all these sort of things. It gives examples of sort of like here is like again the thing we're reading is like pre-release it's not the final copy or anything like this this is just like something for the press to go through i gives like excerpts here and there but it feels like okay i'm drawing cards and then i'm sort of writing about like what this could mean it's very broad and it doesn't like give you the structure that thousand year vampire or something does you're not tracking abilities not doing things like that it doesn't give you like scene prompts you're basically just interpreting it like mm -hmm. you would with um, a tarot deck or something like yeah. that or with a spindle wheel car. Yeah. Again, a game I have to check out eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I think I really like about it is it really encourages you throughout it. Like you said before that it's it's never show this deck to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but the thing I like is that throughout all these sort of rules is is that it has it keeps referencing the hashtag wreck this deck RPG uh hashtag, which I think is just like it's just a genius marketing thing. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, that's really clever. Because it says like, oh, you have to contact your other your other uh, um, uh, deck runners and like get their advice. And if you want to do this, use the hashtag hashtag wreck this RPG, which is just great. Because mm -hmm. it's just like it's building up this this community of people who played this game and getting the things out there, and also the people who make this game, which is like, oh, we can just check out what people have done. Could you imagine? Could you imagine like a old school play? Well, not really old school. It's still very common, but like a play by post community where like every every deck runner has like their own deck that they're playing with and running with and every now and then yeah they'll uh they'll be like a post of just like hey i need help i can't figure out how to capture this demon and gives like yeah. the prompt and then you have like all these different descriptions of like oh well this was me this is what i would do yeah. but i don't have that demon yet or yeah i caught this demon that's how i caught them yeah so yeah the, the, i mean what this makes you think about is again Yu-Gi-Oh! Because I remember like there was someone was talking about the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe on something, probably like a podcast or something. And they're talking about in Yu-Gi-Oh! the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe, the biggest thing, the biggest industry in the entire world is just Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm like, if this was real, I bet it would be, because this is sick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I can understand that. But yeah, it it is an interesting game. It's it's also kind of like, sometimes, if you play the rules as written, it gets a little dicey, because it's just like, put your blood on these cards, and stuff like that. Which I don't encourage you to do, if you want to, sure, but just, like, take it easy, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's a very, very, very interesting game. Like, it's one of these things that, 
I love reading about because I'm just like, oh, what can tabletop RPGs show me now? And it's like, oh, you could just summon demons. Just do that. Just a casual summoning of demons, you know? Yeah. See how that goes. Mm. And it's interesting because it's just like, it's, it's such an interesting thing in that like it never deviates from the inner fiction. Like it's not, it's all written in character. Like it's written by a character called uh ba 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 uh Jackie Fairley. My true name is Jax. So it's written by Jax, who is describing all the methods by which you summon these these demons and then trap them in these things. And it never breaks the fiction. And it really like secures the thing like, oh, this is legit. This is real. This is happening. This isn't this is no joke, you know. And um it talks about people going missing, which is fun. Uh, it feels very much like a, like a, almost like a creepypasta, but a good creepypasta and that kind of thing. And yeah, really interesting game. It is, it is, it is, it is currently being, um, I think by the time this episode goes out, it's being funded on Backer Kit and it's a deeply interesting game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't wait to find out more about this, especially once it goes on to mm. Backer Kit, which it will be heading on to, uh, Back at June 1st. Which is a couple days ago, as of the time of this release, I think. Uh, couple, yeah, couple, or day of release if you are in the States. When this episode goes e- out, that's when they will be going out back again. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. I said that as a trick. That was a test you passed. I know well time. Done. I know days. <laughs> I know time and dates. Sometimes. Uh, well, speaking of... Time and days. You've been checking out Starforged by Sean Tompkins. Yeah, no. Tell me, tell me about that. So, <laughs> the reason why I've been checking out Starforged, and I've been checking out Starforged mm-hmm. technically for the past month. That's yes. my month has been wild. Um, yeah, probably more than a month, right? Probably more than a month. But um, the reason why I've been checking out Starforged, and and I guess you can also say Ironforge as well too, but uh, it's because mm-hmm. one of the things I would love to do is get us together we both make characters and come up with a uh, path for these characters to figure out what kind of area they go into for their sector so for those that don't know starforge is essentially a, well first it's a hack of ironforge ironsworn if you have not played ironsworn what ironsworn and starforge are are technically solo uh tabletop rpg games that are a bit more crunchy than your average journaling game but it can also be played cooperatively, mm-hmm. so you and a friend can both guide the story, or it can be played guided to where it could be a GM and one player, a GM and two players, so on and so forth. And Starforge to me is a lot more attractive one because I've been playing a lot of uh I've done like a lot of industrial fantasy and regular fantasy stuff recently. I haven't done a lot of sci-fi for the most part. Mm. And so I've been really wanting to do something sci-fi-ish. And Starforged is inspired by, like, The Mandalorian, inspired by Blades in the Dark, uh, Stars Without Number. Um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, Firefly, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, technically. A whole bunch of, like, sci- to me, sci-fi staples. And uh, it takes a little bit to set up, I will admit. And I'm saying that because I did take the time before someone showed me a, a website that already does this where uh yeah there's an app yeah there's like some kind of app i think i sent it to you at one point and i was like yeah. holy shit what did i know about this sooner i was spending three and a half hours making individual cards for roll 20 
Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's called a inbotten.uk slash app slash stargazer. And basically, that's where you play the Star uh, Starforged uh, game. It sets up your journaling prompt, sets you up with a map, gives you a character sheet, a whole bunch of fun stuff. What I like about this, too, is you get a lot more variety. Uh, the book does come out and say, like, hey, you don't have to play a human individual. But uh, this game yeah. is assuming that you will be just out of ease. Uh I will I will doggedly refuse to play a human individual because Yeah. It's more fun. It's more fun. I listen, I'm playing a human in real life. Like, I'm good. But uh yeah. Yes, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> one eye closes, the other one does like the sideways swipe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the other the 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 third one uh gives a wink uh, anyway. <laughs> but uh I will say Ironsworn and Starforge are fairly crunchy just because they take a long time to set up a little bit just because. Mm. Yeah, because uh, to start off first, you need to prep your world and you need to figure out what the truths of the world are and then come up with storylines that counteract those truths. Uh, yeah, just because like, you know, oh, yeah, you can. There's like the general ones of just like, hey you are playing a lone individual or like a lone group of people who are striking out into the world to find grand adventure, fortune and or tragedy. But it's like, a, here's your truth about the common laws of the world. Here's your truth about what war is. Here is the truth about magic. Magic doesn't exist here. By the way, your quest is to find this thing that's actually magical. I think what it does as well, too, is like it sets up these truths to be like you can actually test these and show and role play out why your character believes these truths and then what what changes their perception about them. Yeah. Uh, and I think what's really cool about the system overall, too, is you kind of role play through you journal, you record. Uh, most people do like a voice recording of that kind. Mm -hmm. But uh the way the storytelling works is you kind of start off with your first mission, your first bond. You have like your overarching uh, difficult bond that you want to uh, complete. So you want to start off your grand quest, but you start off with like a little miniature quest. Like, oh, I was told that this ship went missing in this area. This is the last beacon it went to. I'm going to go find it. My overall thing is I need to prove my innocence to the government that ban uh, that banished me and exiled me from my planet. Yeah. Uh, that's like the overarching one. But in the meantime, you're taking small jobs. Uh, and this game does the same thing like what Iron Forge does, which is bonds are everything. You are, yeah. you start your mission because you are on a bond, because you're paying a favor, because you need something from someone. You are just getting your quests that way. And anytime there's a question, you have Oracle dice and you can roll a percentage mm. die to basically figure out how true it is, how wrong it is whole bunch of fun stuff it's fascinating and like uh, uh this is something again you've you've been talking about this for months and i have not put a time aside to actually read the rules but i uh, uh this is a thing where the setting is built up like there is no fixed setting you make it up as you play mm -hmm. is that right yeah for the most part um like you open up the map if i remember right there are some like general settings that base settings you can start out with same as yeah. base truths that you can start out with. whole bunch of stuff. But you can also build everything from scratch. 
Uh, I think it's very yeah. common. It like provides mechanics for making things. Yeah. Uh, okay. There is a generation table for making planets for sectors, uh, for figuring out where you start. Uh, you can even find like random clues through the Oracle as well too. It's Star Forge is a fascinating game. Also, expect that to be played at some point soon. If not on this podcast, yes. then I might do just like a short session by myself just to have fun with it. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down for playing it. Oh, yeah. Cool game. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, uh, very quickly, I've also uh, been checking out a game called, well, a supplement, I guess, called um, Sky Realms by Lost Base Studios. Um, now, full disclosure, it's it's by Iker, who I have who I have worked for in the past um, on when I did Liminal Horror, uh, Iker and Lost Bay. Uh, published it and then and, and made like a physical copy and i received a copy of this because i was just like i want to see like i heard about sky realms and ike was looking for people to contribute to uh the sky realms jam where people basically like get this setting and then write other things for it to sort of build into this so that's how i got the copy of this thing Ooh. and I want to talk about it because it's so rare that I read something like this. Like this is a a setting. It's like a um, game neutral RPG setting, bestiary and adventure pack compatible with any system, including OSR, which is many systems, uh, Troika, D and D, medieval fantasy, and space fantasy games. The general gist is there's a bunch of floating islands. There's a bunch of critters on it, and it changes like the every day the the landscape shifts and things alter and all the rest of it there is like a handful of of adventures given in the specific system um but yeah one of the things i found was reading through it was that i really liked reading almanacs and reading settings and it's like a lot of the times i just sit down and read systems and i read um you know that kind of thing but i don't really sit down and read this thing and so it's just such a really fun thing like sitting and like again approaching as like a, a person writing for this i had a lot of fun being like oh how does this connect how does this connect to this or like what are these people like um like it has a lot of like re really um connected because because each each they have like specific races there uh, where there is like uh, crystal slugs and there's hay things and they all are, are afraid of certain things and they all produce certain artifacts and then those artifacts appear in different parts of the world and so you're just like oh how do these how do these how are these connected and how does this happen and so it's it's a really fun little read where it has you know you find all the little connections and figure out how the world works and it also has like bigger questions about like you know why does the world shift what happened to the colossus the the uh cyclopses who used to rule over this land and are now gone why are the main islands called i think they're called like the tooth the skull and the eye and i'm like why are they called that you know why is there mist it references like a land below like there's basically the mist which comes out of the the dragon's mouth, the mist dragon's mouth, and then there's something beneath it. And what is that about? Where is that from? Um, and it's it's a really interesting little setting, and it's a really kind of like 
fun thing to sort of like mess around with and explore and check out. And there's other things like the mist has different weather. And so you roll the dice whenever you're walking across the, the mist to see if it's solid, to see if it's liquid, and so you can sail across, or whether it's sort of uncertain. So you could try to sail and then you'll fall straight through mm. and then no one will ever see you again. And it has these really nice like D6 odds for certain things. And so you just roll to see like, are these people going to be friendly? Are these people going to be mean? What are their interests going to be in this given moment? Mm. And yeah, it's a it's a really interesting little little thing. Um, it's also a coloring book, Ooh. which I'm slightly confused about because I'm just like, I, I mean, I guess people can approach this game looking for a coloring book and just have this, but I'm just like, I'm not a person who's just like, I want to do a, a, a tabletop RPG setting, and I also want to color in all the pictures. I kind of like that it's there. I kind of like it as this different thing, but I'm like, I'm not sure I get this. I, <laughs> it's very funny. I think I get it just because like my I IRL group, the people I play at the table with typically, uh, they... Mm -hmm. You know, some of us have like ADHD and ADD and OCD and yeah. yeah. So having a coloring book that's also the map is always nice. Yeah, I don't know. I always feel bad about like messing with books. Mm -hmm. I always feel bad about like folding the corners or like coloring it in. Although like the few times that I've done it, I've very much enjoyed it. Like I, I once got a uh, a book and just like made notes in the margins for the first time ever, and it like really enriched the reading process. Mm -hmm. So maybe I should just do that. Maybe I should print out a copy and, and mess around with it. But it's it's great. It's also uh, art by um, Evelyn Moreau. Ooh. Yeah, Evelyn Moreau, who, who we've encountered in the past. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a it's a cool little thing. I really liked it. It's just like this. Again, it's a it's a tabletop RPG that's sort of from out of out of like. Off left center. What am I trying to say there? Out of out of out of left out field. Of, out of left field. That's the word that I'm looking for. The, the phrase I'm looking <laughs> for. And so I just really liked it. Yeah. And it was kind of fun to pick it up and read through it. Um, it is again really kind of like it is. It is probably really good for kids. I would say to sort of like mess around with this setting and have like like it sort of has like Adventure Time vibes here and there. And so I could sort of see people who like that kind of thing be like, oh, this is cool. I can sort of mess around with this setting. Uh, this setting. And I'm very curious to see how people, you know, mess around with this setting, what they do with it, and how it fits in different like systems. It even provides conversion tables for Troika, DCC, whatever that is, CAN, and DERF. <laughs> this is another system that exists. Do you know any of those systems? I've never heard of uh, DERF. D-U-R-F. I've dungeon don't know. I don't want to Google it. I just like Durf. Oh <laughs> fucking wild. Dungeon oof. I love this uh press review. The anyway. crayon is muddier than the sword from Dicebreaker. Yeah. Which isn't true. Don't try it. Don't yeah, don't 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 bring a crayon to a sword fight. Yeah. So yes, that is that is that is Sky Realms, which is which is fun. And I'm enjoying reading through it and writing something for it uh so finally to finish up this 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 no finish up this segment the segment's over we're not talking about tabletop rpgs anymore we are gonna uh uh hmm, let me start again we got an email 
it was one of these things and we've, we've we've previously only gotten sort of like press emails and we've gotten like uh uh spam emails about using a new platform yeah we got lots of tips from patreon about how to do patreon stuff and we got a lot of things from anchor who is now what is it uh spotify podcasts we got all these lovely 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 things but this week we got a very nice email from laurie uh who wrote about um uh uh, uh sanity mechanics so i'd like to read out that e- that email and uh it asks a bunch of questions and i thought this would be a nice sort of general topic to sort of like talk about yeah so i will start reading that out uh dear marley and cole I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Thank you. I've noticed something interesting to me in two of the tabletop RPGs I've read recently and was wondering if you had any further insight. I recently bought and have been reading through Va- uh, Vasen. Vasen? Vasen. Still don't know how to say that. Vasen. Uh, the Nordic horror tabletop RPG Molly spoke about quite a while ago on the show. I'm really enjoying it so far. I also recently skimmed through the quick start rules that Critical Role released for the new game Candela Obscura. Both horror games both focus on investigating magical slash supernatural creatures for an agency. I found myself comparing the trauma mechanics. In Varsen, is that mm-hmm. right? Yep, you got it. You got <laughs> it. <I've forgotten. laughs> we've, played, we've played this game uh, live on a stream before. Yeah, <laughs> I've played this game. You can check that out over I'm on the Hunt and Tiger like, channel. I just like, I'm never certain. Uh, a player rolls on the critical injuries. Sorry, I'll start again. In Vassen, a player rolls on the critical injuries table to determine how they are affected. As an example, abdominal wound, PTSD, ringing ears, fear of death, etc., which imposes a negative modifier to a specific trait. It is then up to the player to roleplay this as they see fit. In Candle or Obscura, the player gets to determine the trauma themselves and then transfer a point from one trait to another to reflect this. The rules explicitly say, scars, especially brain scars, should be understood as a change, never a lessening, and provides quite a few examples of this. For me, Candler Obscura feels so much more respectful and nuanced in its exploration of trauma compared to Varsen, and I really like how it gives the player agency. It encourages genuine reflection of how trauma impacts people, and gives the opportunity to add depth to the character rather than just reducing an ability. Unfortunately, I've yet to play or watch an actual play of either of these games, so I'm not sure how well this translates to actual gameplay. Having had pretty limited experience play, actually playing tabletop RPGs outside of D&D 5e, what are your thoughts on these mechanics? Are there any games that handle trauma better? Thanks for reading. Love Inside the Table. Keep up the amazing work. From Laurie. They them. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for writing it. It was absolutely wonderful to re- receive this email. Um, I quickly want to add one absolutely bonkers correction, which is that Vasen has a thing. It, for the most part, imposes negative penalties. But there are actually, like, modifiers which give you bonuses. Like, the actual mechanics are even weirder than, than, than this. So let me quickly get that up. Um, uh, here we go. There is a thing where you get split consciousness, where if you survive it, you get enlightened and your learning increases by four mm-hmm. points. If you get invaded, you might get invaded by others, people's emotions. And if you survive it within 1d6 rounds, you get absolute empathy with his observation plus four. If you don't, you die, I think. So 
The mechanics for Varsen is even weirder than that. It's such a bizarre game. I, I, I've played this before, and I think I've said before that, like, one of the things I really didn't like was, one, the, the, the tactical combat, which I'm like, don't have any time for. And the other thing was critical injuries, where it's just, like, roll a dice to see what happens to you. And it is a weird little thing. And, yeah, and, and, and for, uh, for Candler Obscura, it is a different thing where it's like, yeah, as, as, as Laurie says, it is, it is basically you change a stat mm-hmm. and, and that's the difference. I think that sort of occurred to me was that like, there was a processing time for, for Vasen. Like there is a thing where you have to get past the injury in order to get whatever change that is. And it's always predefined. It's always like says what this is. Whereas as far as I can determine what it happens with, um, with Candle or Obscura is it happens immediately. I want to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Uh, yeah. So let me read it out. Uh, if you fill out a track, the, the mechanics of Candle or Obscura are very similar to Blades in the Dark in that like when you fill up like a, a track, which is either body, brain, or bleed, which represents magic, um, you gain a scar, and it is a permanent effect that changes the character. When you take a scar, write down a narrative change based on the character nature of the tech that causes mm-hmm. scar. If it's body, it might be a limp or a missing eye. If it's brain, you might become withdrawn or reckless. If it's bleed, perhaps you're always dripping with black ichor, or your bo- body grows small and luminous tendrils where you once had hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may you must also remove a point from one action of your choice and add to a different action of your, to reflect how your character has changed because of the scar they now carry. Mm-hmm. You can return to your game once your circle gets you somewhere safe. So there's a slight transitional period, but it is like the thing happens, you get taken out of the scene, I guess, in a very vague sense, not as strict as Blades of the Dark, where you literally can't play until mm-hmm. the scene is over. Um, but then you come back with this. Yeah. Um, so that is just an outcome. So, Cole? Yeah, uh, I think what's interesting is, yeah, it, they both kind of approach it differently. I. I get, I think the observation, in my opinion, I think the observation that Vossen and Candela Obscura treat uh, trauma very differently, treat scarring very differently. I think Candela Obscura leaving player agency in the hand is a much better look, in my opinion, just because uh, mm-hmm. I I don't like gamifying mental health, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I think one thing to observe with Candela Obscura is that's also the mechanic of uh, Blades in the Dark, songs from the... Songs for the Dusk, Beam Saber, yep. uh, and Darkest, Darkest Dungeon. Dungeon. You can also even look at like Heart and uh, Heart, Fathom. Uh, what's the... Let's go further. Call, Call of Cthulhu. Cthulhu. The Lovecraftian yeah. game. And like Call of Cthulhu does still gamify it, but like I, anytime I look at this, I'm like, oh, that's Fallout. That's that's the Fallout mechanic. Yeah. This is because... Uh, what Fallout's supposed to mean in the same way that these scars and marks work in Candle Obscura is it's a bit of player agency. It's a bit of back and forth of like, oh, here is what changes for your character. And sometimes that is a very physical change. You know, oh, every time you see a moon now, you uh, are filled with a sudden sense of sadness and you must go to hmm. a pon- uh, reflecting pool to uh, remark on the moon and meditate in that and until you do so, you are taking like a minus die to every roll. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. And then with uh, Blaze in the Dark, of course, it's like, yeah, you get taken out of the scene for a little while. 
but you come back. You take it out of the scene, and then you have a permanent yeah. effect. Right? You have a- like, this is what we're always talking about with... Uh, uh, What's that game? The one, the game that does it really good? I'm really bad with names uh, today. Uh, the the post-apocalyptic game. The one with Songs uh, for the Dusk? Uh, Quirks. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, Songs for the Dusk does a interesting thing that doesn't really carry, and you don't really see in other Fortune of the Drugs, and that, yes, you, and one, it doesn't call them tra- trauma or scars, it actually calls them quirks instead. You cat you catch something in this moment, and you have a quirk now. You are more obsessed hmm. over something. You're more paranoid uh you are more prone to anger because you've been stressed out and hurt through a situation uh i think that's one thing i'm trying to look for in candle obscura about whether you can heal uh these scars in the same way because again i think that like a lot of these games while yeah i love using the stress tracker i love being able to pick how this affects my character and kind of narrate that in a sense I think it's also justified to be like, I want to heal my character of this. I want this to be something that they can work through and cope with instead of like, oh, I just play with this every now and then. Uh, I think I also want to check out is, is there other ways of advancing your character that isn't this? I'm sure there is, but it is an interesting thing in that like getting damaged is a way of rewriting your stats, getting scars in this way is is a way of doing that i don't know if it has the full rules i can't quite see what the xp system mm-hmm. is again i read through yeah. this but very quickly and at like 3 a.m in yeah. the morning because i was just like oh this is a good email let me go through mm-hmm. this uh um, i did find a paragraph about ba- how healing permanent scars works in this game and i mm-hmm. i think that's appropriate but um on page 10 or page 9 i'm sorry i'm looking at the pdf not the actual page number on here i wish pdfs could work this out better i, I hate to uh but the paragraph here says the idea of permanent scars does not align with the modern understanding of healing trauma but just like you consider that your character cannot begin the process of tending to deep physical mental and even magical trauma until they are in a safe place for an extended period of time over the course of a campaign your circle should experience only brief moments of respite this is a challenging game of horror if you want to see your characters heal from scars they've taken, you might choose to play a different character for some time and return to this one down the road when they've had a chance to dis- to recover. Work with your GM to decide which scars they could have healed during this time away. Which I think is a pretty interesting way of putting it. And, you know, again, going into Candle Obscura, it is a uh, industrial fantasy horror kind of game. Um, you are in a secret society to investigate and uh investigate and deal with uh supernatural horrors and you your characters are wrapped up and get scarred by and injured by but overcome them as well too it feels very post-world war one to me just reading the setting at a glance yeah i think it's either that it it also like feels a lot like a uh do you know the between i think so yeah it's like a yes it's like a brindlewood bay hack where it's set in like victorian england and they come across like thing i come across like various horrors and weird things and sort of deal with that um but it's talking a lot about industrial stuff like the one of the um the the mission it provides is is based on real life accounts of radiation poisoning that happened in in like the 60s so i'm just like huh that's interesting um but 
one of the things I want to say is that this game in the rules like consistently refers to the fact that horror uses this a lot. And I think that is an oversimplification um, because like when I think of horror, I think of many, many, many different things. And I don't think that it is, it is very common for characters through the course of play to develop a, men a mental illness that makes them mm -hmm. like break down and 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 stop like that is that is that is common in a lot of things. But then I'm thinking about like so many so many horror films nowadays. Like I'm thinking about uh, like Get Out is an example where a character goes through like a lot of lot of trauma, a lot of weird things. But the result of that is to sort of like to learn from it and to learn like to like it's almost like they start off in a place where they are um being sort of gaslit and sort of like trying to be polite mm -hmm. and trying to do these things and then as the story goes on and as they learn more they become like they learn more and become like more equipped to deal with mm -hmm. things which is a thing that this horror does not have this is a horror similar to like blades in the dark where it's like things bad things happen to you and as a result you break yeah. down like this is this is this is lovecraftian uh, uh horror where people cannot handle like learning things and it is always very strange to me that this is the way that mental health t tends to be approached in tabletop rpgs a lot where it's like you you encounter horrible things and as a result it becomes harder and harder to mm -hmm. deal with and like I have written games where it has this kind of this kind of uh, uh, sort of sanity mechanic. Like I have uh, Apocalypse Road Trip, one of one one of my big games that sort of took off, has a mechanic where it is very easy. It's probably too easy to clear mental health in in that uh, mental illness in that game. Like the way the mechanics are written, I probably will have to fix that. But like the way it works is, if you push yourself and if you stress out, you will gain a fear in that game. Um, and it is, it is basically because it's a survival game. It is, it is stressful. And the, the longer you go on, the longer you go through this thing without taking a break. And I think in Apocalypse Road Trip, the mechanic is literally like sitting down and chatting with people, then the harder it will be to overcome this. And I wrote that because I was thought like, this is a game where you have to build up community and hang out with people and talking with them makes you feel better, at least in my case. And I want to have that. But I'm also like between Vasen which has a thing where here is, here is like the, the way it depicts like scars and mental illness and injury is that it is a, it is a random sudden thing. It is violent. It is horrible. It is something that can kill you if you don't overcome it in a certain amount of time. Uh, you can become over, overwhelmed with split personality disorder or whatever they have. Um, but if you overcome it, you get something else. You either get an insight or you get a defect, which is again, kind of fucked up. Mm. But that's the genre they're playing in. Like, my overwhelming, like, response to this, going through Candler Obscura and going through Vasen, is that, like, there's one, like, I don't like either of them in certain ways, but I'm also just like, it's not like we should not do mm -hmm. these things. Like, the, the, the nature of, of fiction about tabletop role-playing games is exploring stories. And some stories I have zero interest in, in ever exploring. And some ones I'm just like, okay, this is what genre we're playing in. And so the question of like, what is, what games handle trauma better, they just handle it differently. Like D&D &D 5e as written doesn't have a sanity mechanic. 
I think there is a supplement which fucking sucks, and I hated when there it came up. There are supplements, up. yeah, because I was thinking about D&D 3.5 version, where it's like, oh yeah, no, if you yeah. want to play horror, use this book. And it's like, these all fucking suck and don't feel good. Yeah, yeah, and then you basically roll in it to get like a random, like, you know, you get, oh, I, 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 I can't remember even some of them. Maybe you just like start seeing visions and all the rest, or you can't trust things anymore. And then that, like, I've played games like that, and people were just laughing and joking with that, and I was just like, I don't enjoy this. This mm -hmm. this sucks, especially someone who has, like, various mental illnesses here and there. I'm just like, this is insulting. This is kind of shitty. But, like, some people might love that. Some people might be like, I want to play a game where I just laugh at mental illness. And, like, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> but I'm just like, games have a way of exploring different sort of experiences and providing different things and doing these things. And I don't think that it's, like, there is one better than the other. It's just like it's illustrative of the way that games approach mental health. Like, yeah, it's again like it, I'm finding more and more that it's less that there are games that are bad and more that games that I do not like. Um, yeah, games with like very different interpretations of how to do things. Like, yeah, and like I'm 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 like it's it's the thing that I'm just like it, sanity mechanics is one of the things that I I alternate alternatively like really dislike but also like really am interested mm -hmm. in i'm really interested in like seeing how people approach them i like like i really like the way blaze of the dark handles stress like i think that's an absolutely like really interesting way because when you play that game and when you come across stress and there is there is just like an experience when you play that that you really legitimately feel stress mm -hmm. bubbling up i've had people that just be like in a negative way like they've they've encountered that just be like i don't like this this is this is too much for me and it's just like okay let's play a different game um but it's it's interesting and like i like the i like talking about mental illness in games like it is a thing that i'm like i like to explore like i often play very messed up characters whenever we, we do games as you've seen like i played Vassen as this weird yeah. priest <laughs> who gets who gets beaten up because they want to do the mm -hmm. right thing and you know it's it's sort of fun to explore like who i am as a person and like impulses that i have and see that go uh see how that goes and again really depends on the game uh what kind of thing you should go for and what kind of thing you should not uh but just talk with the table and sort of see where that how that goes yeah. and like if you're at a table and they if you're going up to a table and you have a you have people who are like yeah i want to play a horror game you you can actually straight up ask the question do you want to focus on like solving what supernatural horrors are out there and how to deal with them you know is this a i want to go and deal with an alien scenario and like i'm in the movie alien or do i want to hmm kind of do like the supernatural monster of the week ordeal I, I don't think monster of the week has like a trauma system in the same way but i have not played it so i it has luck luck it has luck that's the only thing i can think about but yeah yeah i don't think it has it doesn't have like the lovecraftian nonsense yeah it, it, it's interesting because like yeah and more to the point of what you're saying is like you know there's games that interpret stuff very very differently and a little bit of that is just like, this is how I kind of see stuff being working in the system and how it, you know, how this world alters to it. And this, uh, to kind of reinforce what you said about like, there aren't really 
too bad game design. It's just a lot more stuff I don't like. But there are some games that just kind of go out of pocket and you're like, okay, don't play it that way. Don't don't fucking joke it. Make it a joke or anything where like you become more powerful. Because I'm thinking about the game called uh, Sinuous Sacrifice, where this was a very interesting game on the PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, video, video game, game on the PlayStation 4. Where you played a Nordic woman who, uh, a Viking woman who, uh, was going to find her husband. A Celtic. Celtic. Oh, it's Celtic. Wait, no. Picked. Send a picked woman who makes must make her way to yeah. Helheim. Okay, I was right with the Viking, but yeah, basically she goes through Helheim to find her husband. But uh, she had a she has mental illness. She is uh, essentially schizophrenic. And this game got flack for, like, kind of gaming finding mental illness. Like, oh, yeah, no, if you have a mental illness, you can solve puzzles easier. Going back to, like, what Vossen does. Hmm. And, like, yeah, that doesn't feel yeah. good. But also, yeah. It's an interesting one. I remember I played that game, and I was just like, I played the, the opening couple of hours of that game. And it was an interesting one in that, like, it has, like, weird whispers as you sort of play things. Like, the hints come from, like, this... Uh, uh, I mean, it's referred to as Furies in this game, um, in that it's like whispering hints and whispering like little things, like "I hate you, I hate mm -hmm. you," whatever. And it's like inspired by actual like mental illness, which I thought like again, it is, it is, it is a game that is like that's kind of an unpleasant thing, but it's sort of like it's it's, it's interesting. interesting. It's like I've never, I didn't know about that specific thing before this game like came out and like we're going to try and do this, um. Does it do it well? Yeah. I don't know. I played like a, f a first couple of missions and I was like, this is kind of a boring game and the puzzles mm -hmm. aren't that great. But. Yeah. You know. I think that's just like the other thing too. Of just like. Actually, that's a whole separate conversation that other people are better at than I am. But yeah. Um, you know, every game interprets it differently. And I think a way of just like approaching different things too is just like talking to people about it and be like, and looking up resources. They're, yeah. The reason why a consultant is a job opening for folks or like a job you can hire and uh, contract for is because having a consultant is very important, especially if they are a special. Yeah. If uh, they specialize in that field. Uh, going back to the original yeah. question about like how we feel, uh, how we feel about this and about games handling trauma better. I it's again, it's yeah. kind of what you're feeling in the moment. I I love how. Forge in the Dark games handle trauma and quirks and scars uh, just because, yeah. again, it's that player agency of like, you know, Blades in the Dark. Oh, I've been going after this gang for like a long fucking time. And the fact I stressed out doing this means I am obsessed. Like you, you specifically play a character like you often play characters who drive themselves into these things and who have like who really express themselves through like burning themselves out and. Again, obsessing yeah. about things. And you really, like, lean into those mechanics. Yeah, I I always joke about speedrunning. Oh, by the way, uh, we did our first Beam Saber recording, and I think I, uh, I think I quirked out after the first minute. No, I, max I, I <laughs> almost maxed out, but I almost maxed out on it. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, now, Cole, pray tell what, 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 uh, what, what game is that? What, what is the how? how? Kalazcon. Kalazcon from send all the links. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, go to Twitter at Nanan. We actually have the uh, one of the first squads going up for their episode is on uh, mm -hmm. 
is going up on Patreon soon. So if you want to follow uh, Con on Patreon and subscribe, you will have access to that. Highly recommend checking out the uh, Fantastic Squad, yep. if I remember correctly, is the uh, the farm upstate, which is fantastic. They are such a cool crew, yep. and I definitely didn't steal from them. Fuck you. Yeah. So this is this is the Austin Ramsey uh, actual play featuring like five crews. I don't remember how many crews and also a complete political system. So be sure to check that one out. looks really good. It's not out yet, but it's being recorded. It's being recorded. Uh, Last squads have already done their first recording. We have downtimes coming up right now. Uh, Quick, quick question. How does, how does beam saver purchase? I know that beam saver changes up a lot of the rules of like, it, it really is very innovative in how it approaches like blades in the dark and this kind of thing. How does it do like, uh, uh, scars or whatever uh, we call it, it if i remember correctly uh it does it the same way of uh mm-hmm. it does it so you have two basically stress tracks you have your pilot stress track and then you have quirks for your player for your mech as well yeah uh when it comes to your pilot it's just like all the other forge in the dark and that you will fill up your stress bar and then take a scar and you have yep. enough for four. And then if you take four, you are done. You go out in a blaze of glory or you are just shipped off somewhere else or something else will happen. I I found it from the version 0.51, which might be an old version, but it says at this point, they must either retire to a life elsewhere or be handed over to a faction that has a negative relationship with the squad. Yeah. If they re- retire, they start to live away from the war with a quality of life indicated by the changes they made by spending drive. If they are given to another faction, the squad's relationship with the faction goes up by one level. What happens to the pilot after that is up to the GM, but probably isn't pleasant. And, like, this game is, like, Beam Saber really leans into the fact that, like, again, it's it's really illustrative of what the... what this game is doing, in that, like, the war mm-hmm. is hard, and dealing with the war is stressful. And it, like, destroys you after a while, and that's, like, the kind of story that it's trying to tell. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose, like, my my general answer to, to Laurie in, the, in regards to this is that what kind of things do you want? Like, there is there are so many games that approach this in so many different ways. A lot of the games repeat the similar kind of ways. Like, we're, we're really talking about games that are just, like, let's take big swings and let's do something different. Um, but there are a lot of games that do trauma differently. And like one of the things with 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 game development is that you can do something mm-hmm. else. Like again, I would really like to see people who do a a version of 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 a sanity mechanic that is like Get Out or like like The Shining. Kind of is the same thing. I watched that recently. It's a rough movie. I found it much more scary than my friend did. He thought I was like, yeah, it's kind of there's just nothing really happened. It was more of a tone piece. I'm like, no, this is the scariest film ever. But it is a game about like a person who is kind of like in an abusive relationship trying to escape that abusive relationship and trying to get out of that and then subsequent movies are just about like what you deal with and it's like the idea of like approaching like a difficult situation and when you learn things and when you encounter things it is actually it teaches you stuff and like i want to see that i want to see someone do that kind of thing rather than just doing the lovecraftian call of cthulhu thing of just like building up stress Mm -hmm getting stressed out like i'm sure there's so many people who could do this in different ways that are interesting and there's also like journaling games that approach things differently and so i was actually yeah, looking for another 
game that does stress and trauma, interestingly. Uh, there is a game yes. called Do Not Fear. It is basically Bloodborne, but with mushrooms and uh, statue people. It is still technically okay. uh, in development. If I remember right, this is by Hella Big Claws. Let me make sure. Uh, and Death We... Yeah. Do Not Fear and Death We Bloom is a Fortune in the Dark tabletop role-playing game about the fleetingness of life and using the strength that gives you in order to combat a growing stagnation. Fire as a hunter, a person has been mm -hmm. given a gift of bloom, a fungus-like infection that allows for incredible strength and regenerability in exchange for subsuming your flesh as you die. And you are combating the, uh, the rusted, which are living creatures infected by a growing viral stagnation, marbling their bones and rusting their flesh, sculpting them into horrifyingly beautiful creations. There's also a tower in there. But, okay. um, hold on, let me, once in the page. How does this approach so? Because <laughs> it seems so. Rough. So, uh, going back to this, um, it does something uh, different in that instead of like the trauma and scar stress tracker, you uh, reach a point where you mm -hmm. sleep in the soil, and that's where your character okay. uh, blooms and gets revived. And when you bloom, this is essentially like the new, like a different trauma. You have a flower and it extends to a physiological change and can be a different trait. Mm. But also, when you take a flower, you get a new arcana. You can prune and uh, you get more, basically more arcana. You get more power. You can also burn a flower. It's a, it's a very fascinating game that takes that, like, the trauma and stress tracker stuff that we were talking about and shifts it into mm. a... Uh, if you've played the roguelike Hades, you come back stronger. Yeah. Right. Just something different. Okay, so if you, if you instead of getting scars, you get, like, bonuses yeah. or something like yeah. that. Is that right? Okay. Sorry, I was just thinking about, like, what does scars and trauma and, like, stress trackers differently? Oh, this game. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, this is another game I would love to play. Also, the art on the cover is very gender. Yeah. I want to see more mushrooms on them. I can't see any yeah. cool things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. So, yes, that is my yeah. answer. <laughs> Whatever <Yeah>. I said. <laughs> that whole, like, 30-so uh, minute discussion we just had, that's our answer to both questions of how we feel yeah. about the mechanics and then if there are any that do it better. Um, I will always 100% yeah. recommend Songs for the Dusk. If you want something that, like, takes stress and takes trauma and takes horror because songs for the dusk is a bit more of a hopeful game it's uh post-apocalyptic but with a brighter flame of like hope and such does not but does not mean there are not horrors lurking inside the shadows of those mountains you know yeah like and also it's not this perfect like utopia game there's fucking empires trying to colonize your community Hmm. Or you could be a part of that empire trying to colonize a community. You don't know. There are bad things in this world. Huh. I don't know. Just, just if you're ever interested in, in developing stuff, please check out really weird ways. Like again, to anyone who's listening, who's a game developer, come up with something bizarre and different. Approach these things differently. Don't just use the <laughs> same old stuff. At the same time, it's really good to yeah. use old stuff. Yeah. But yes, I I like the possibilities inherent in these things and the challenges that exploring mental health in a game kind of mm -hmm. ask of you i guess 
Um, so yeah, hope that answers your question. If not, write us an email. And be like, you didn't answer the question at all. You yeah. fucks. You just went off on a rant. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, thanks for writing it, and it was a yeah. great email. Really enjoyed reading that and considering yeah. that. Um, oh, sorry, I was just so thinking yeah. about Tales from the Loop as well. Uh, don't they? Doesn't that? How do they do it? Oh, you go to your parents. Yeah, you go. You go to your they, anchor. They, your anchor is like your uh, stress thing. Yeah. But like, what happens when you have too much stress? That's what I want to find out. Uh, I think you just don't get dice. Is my remembrance of it. Uh, you can also, it, when you heal, you heal everything. Uh, Any, you, you can't die in that game, which is which, which is, is fun. You play as a bunch of kids, so yeah. that's good. But you basically have like no dice. I think you fail things and you can't do it unless you sit down and like hang out with your friends or hang out with an anchor. And that's your way yeah. of sort of healing, which which I like. I think that's really nice. You can also heal by people saying encouraging yeah. things to you. But that's an interesting game. It sort of alternates between being like all adults are messed up and are going to mess up you. And it's it's terrible and you can't trust mm-hmm. adults and being like, oh, you're a little kid and you're having fun. You're messing around you're and doing guy. all these things. And so that kind of tonal difference is, is always difficult for me because I'm just like, oh, this is great. I would never yeah. trust an anchor. Ever. Oh, God. Yeah, no. Uh, I did find the page where they talk about it. Um, so I'll start with the conditions page first. Yeah. Uh, the kids yes. cannot die, but they can suffer from conditions. When you try to overcome trouble but fail, fail, or if you push a dice roll, you may be forced to take the condition. There are five conditions, and the first four are mild. Upset, scarred, exhausted, and injured. The exact interpretation of a condition can vary and may need to be adapted to the situation at hand. You decide what condition to take in a given situation, and you, which again goes back to that player agency conversation, uh, and you get a minus one on all mm-hmm. dice rolls until it is healed. Additional conditions are cumulative. Two conditions give a minus two, so on and so forth. But if you take uh, four mild conditions and you take another condition, you are broken. If you get broken, something really bad has happened. You are mentally or physically hurt, and you will automatically fail all dice rolls until healed. The conditions are also an indicator for how to play the kid. You're, you decide how much you want to play out your conditions in the scene. The game master can help you by asking questions of how do you feel and what ways are you upset. You should never be forced to play your conditions if you don't want to do so, which is very neat. Yeah. And then the anchor description is all kids have an anchor, a person that you can go to for support, comfort, and care. It can be a friend, a parent, a teacher, or a neighbor. It cannot be another kid. If you suffer from one or more condition, uh, you can spend a scene with your anchor and heal all conditions. You must allow the anchor to take care of you, and there must be a physical or mental closeness between you. The Game Master is not allowed to put you in trouble in this scene. If you put yourself in trouble, you don't heal any conditions. Which... Yeah. It's a nice game. It's it's very gentle and nice. It's very nice. It's very gentle. And it's still a good horror game. I also do love that, like, if you put yourself in trouble, you don't get heal any conditions, which is 100% a move I, as a player, would pull. Yeah. And then there's also things where, like, if you're at your your little hangout, your hideout, uh, nothing, no trouble can approach unless you invite Mm -hmm. trouble in, which is a really interesting mechanic. Like, no one will know where it is unless you tell them. Oh, yeah. Also, there's the favorite song mechanic from the 1980s. There is no mechanical effect playing the song, but it is your kid's theme. Yeah. Fucking cool as fuck. It's very nice. I should play this game yeah. again. It's great. I'm always oh. down to play a game. Although I do, I, I feel like Vassen mm-hmm. does it better. Vassen does a lot of the mechanics, well, except for some, uh, <laughs> uh, better, but it's like, it approaches like very similar mechanics yeah. in different ways. Um, it's, it's again about like personal feel and then just like some things about one thing can be good, but 
other parts of it can suck. Like all different yeah. different aspects. Uh oh my god, I forgot about the last sentinels. If Marley, we need to put us put a hard stop on this because I will go on forever. I am looking through my RPG library. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to go in 15ish minutes. 17 yeah. minutes. Uh so from that, let's move on to shoutouts. Uh let's let's talk about stuff we've been up to and things we want to put put some mm-hmm. eyes on. Uh so Cole, what have you been up to? So one of the things I'm doing tonight actually is talking to a esports franchise about content and such. And that is Swordfish Esports, who are currently a Rocket League only team, but I'm hoping they will expand out into more stuff. Uh, I am currently working with them as a caster with uh, one of the people who I have watched and followed for a long time named uh, Cobra Warrior. And I'll be throwing my voice there. Still over at Minor League Esports as well. And then just on my own stream, I will be playing games from time to time. It will be on and off. I do not have a set schedule, mostly because that's just how life be. So if you want to check out, uh, just hit those notifications on there or keep an eye on my Twitter at Ice Cold Brew to find out more about that. Uh, quick question. Uh, is is Swordfish Esports and Caster, a, a, is that all a pun? Because you're casting the no. Swordfish. So I, Caster is short for Shoutcaster, okay. <laughs> but that's actually really funny. I should. But you're like, you're casting I, a... Yeah. It's very clever. <laughs> I'm going to have to let them know about that. It's like Emily Sports is yeah. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are you up to, Marley? What have you done recently? I have been so busy. I have been writing so many different things. I'm at the stage where I have seven projects going all at once. And I have so many things to read and so many things to go through. Uh, but I have finished a project, which I'm very proud of. Uh, it's called Explore, Exploit, Expand, and Exterminate. It is it is a lasers and feelings hack of 4X strategy games, a genre of games I don't usually play. Um, it is me being like, wouldn't it be funny if you took one of the one of the more complicated uh genres of game and make it a lasers and feelings hack? And I think it's kind of fun because you basically move points between explore. And exterminate or expand and exploit and you you have like a battle map and you have like different things you're building you can play as various factions you can do all these things and i just like it's one of these things that i just like sat down and decided to do just in a day i did most of this over the course of a day and just designed it all um and it is a game about exploring how shitty a lot of ta- a lot of games are like a lot of video games have you play as these kind of things and you're just like yeah i'll just take over the universe and i'll like sort of expand and i will like do terrible things to all these things and it's like how would you play as these people you can you can play as a, an evil empire you can also play as a revolution that's sort of like stopping things you can play as an algorithm you can play as all kinds of weird different things uh, it is available on my itch. It is minorlenahan.itch.io slash 4x, the number four and the, and the letter x. Um, and yeah, is it a heavy game? Yes, it is. But it's also an interesting game that I'm really oh, proud yeah. of. And uh, there's, there's, I've, I've made several hundred community copies. There is currently 894 uh, community copies remaining. So if you'd like to have a free version just to look at it, it's all there. Uh, but if you like to buy, please do. I get mm-hmm. money from that. Uh, 
and you get a bunch of really cool things, including tokens that I made. I made custom tokens on Photoshop, and I also made a fantasy map and a space map, so you can play it in two different genres. Uh, and yeah, that is that. Anything else? Don't know. Probably writing other things, probably getting them out in the next mm -hmm. few months. Don't know. Um, but if you were to release any more games, people can find those over at menarlenahan.itch.io. Yes, correct. And follow me on Twitter where I'll probably mm -hmm. post things there. Um, Menar underscore Lenahan. And yeah. yeah, that's it. And I do want to just give one more shout out to you, Lori. Thank you again for the question. It was really fun to like think about yes. and observe and also finally like pushed me into really looking at Candela Obscura because I was only just like listening to hearsay from various discord channels. And uh, once yeah. someone explained the illuminated uh, illuminated worlds rules, dice rolls, I was like, that's just blades in the dark. The fuck? It is very similar <laughs> to blades in the dark. It, this is the most interesting thing is, I mean, um, Lynn, uh, Lynn Codega wrote like a really good um, article about this for what's it called? Uh, Gizmodo. Gizmodo. Um, I'm great with names. Uh, and just did like a review based on like the material that currently is out. And there isn't any like, I think there was an episode that was out or some 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 pre-episode, which which they checked out and also talked about the rules and said how it is. It's interesting, but doesn't really go as far. Like it's a, it's sort of a missed opportunity with a lot of mm -hmm. like mechanics. Um, which I agree with. I read through and like a lot of the mechanics are very similar to Blaze of the Dark um, and miss out on a lot of like really interesting things that a lot of indie uh, tabletop RPGs are doing. Like in particular, I mentioned The Between. The Between is absolutely fascinating because it is very, very different with that system. It is um, It allows you to sort of build up the mystery yourself, come up with your own answers to these things. And also has characters and like long-term story beats that are fascinating. Um, again, the the all the rules aren't out for um, Candela Obscura, but um, yeah, I'm not intrigued by it. <laughs> I will say uh, personally, um, that was inside the table. A tabletop RPG talk show, and thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening for a year. We've been doing this for a year. I'm very, very, very proud of, of how we've been going. Um, and here's to another, I guess. <laughs> uh, I was Molly. You can follow me at minor underscore Lenahan, and my pronouns are he, him. And I was joined today, as always, by Cole. Hello again. I am Cole. You can follow me at Ice Cole Brew. My pronouns are he, him, they, them. And uh, yeah. You can follow me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Ice Cold Brew. Yeah, and co-host. And co-host, even though I don't use it. And Hive. Yeah, I saw someone posting about Mastodon, and I'm like, do I want to get a Mastodon? And I'm like, no. I, I need the social media wars to calm down before I start making another selection here. We need that to be a winner. Um, anyway, in the meantime, follow this podcast on Twitter at Inside the Table and on co-host at Inside the Table. Uh, please review an Apple podcast. We had a review. Did we I talk about, we this, about last this last time? time? Yeah, we had a review for, um, uh, I want to read yeah. it again. Hold on. You can check that out on linktr.ee slash Inside the Table, where it has all the links to all the little podcasts and ways to find it and ways to review an Apple podcast. But... How do we check out the reviews? Uh, what was I the way you straight did up it? went to my phone, looked for our show, and then. Oh. 
Yeah. I found it. Uh, so we're currently five out of five. Thank you very much for everyone reviewing. And yes, I do remember this is ZipZat22. Uh, I've discovered games, heard interesting thoughts on and enjoyed the conversations in every episode I've listened to. Highly recommend if you like indie tabletop RPGs. Thank you, ZipZap. Um, <laughs> That's a very good name. I like ZipZap's name very much. Uh, and, and you can, of course, send in your questions to insidethetable at gmail.com. Uh, we might do an entire segment about it because that was great. I really liked that today. Mm-hmm. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, who, th- who should they recommend it to, Cole? Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, you should recommend it to um, your own tabletop group. Say, hey, yes. I want... They did this interesting episode talking about trauma and scars and how it affects gameplay and the different types there are, and I want to see what y'all think about it next time we get together. Yeah, let's have a chat. Like, legitimately talk at your table about how you want to approach mental illness in your game. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a somewhat difficult and hard to quantify conversation, perhaps, but just try and get everyone on the same it, page. That's always fun. It leads to interesting conversations as well, too, and you you get to learn a little bit more about your table that way as well. Yeah, it's more fun than someone spraying it. Exactly. Yeah, don't don't just randomly spring it on people. Check in with your table beforehand. I swear to God. Yeah. Um. And yes, uh, every day is Five Star Friday here at Inside the Table. If there's a game you like, go out and give it a five-star rating. Um, lots of really cool games we shouted out today. And be sure to, to check them out and, and check out your own games. And if you find anything interesting, recommend it to us. Like again, Candle Obscura, that's fun to hear about, even if I'm not particularly interested in it. But I like the discussion. Anyway, <laughs> without any further ado, uh, happy birthday to everybody. And to everybody, goodbye. Goodbye. Really well. Really well. Uh. Should we end with a with a Jesus? <laughs> I'm very. <laughs> should we end today. with a happy birthday? You are. Yeah. Uh, should we end with a happy birthday song? Uh. We could. God. Yeah. All right, Fuck it. one, two. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. you. Happy birthday to you. God damn this latency. Happy birthday, dear. Inside the table, tabletop RPG talk show. I feel the lyrics. Happy birthday to us. Kip it! Hooray! I can't wait for uh, Holly to come in and be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Why are you singing the birthday song? Don't worry about it. Which we can do legally. It's now in, in the public domain. Mm-hmm. Shoutouts to people who did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any post-show little goodies you want to send through in the last six minutes before we have to clap and you have to go? Um, I was going to say, uh, play more o- Omega Strikers. People, please play Omega Strikers. It's the wait, it, wait. It, I, I think I mentioned not the last tabletop time. RPG. It's not a tabletop RPG. There was a tabletop RPG called Omega Strikers, and they had to rename it. Yeah, this is a video game. It is for free on Steam and probably some other platforms, but it's basically air hockey yeah. with superpowers. It's fun. Yeah, good art. And it's got milfs. It's got it's got big milfs. It's got dilfs. And there's also and Dubu. And Dubu, the best one. The big hamster. Dubu, the best character. <laughs> I love Dubu. Yeah.
Have you have you mastered it? I have not mastered it, but I want to. I I'm putting the okay. time in. I'm putting my hours in. I'm flexing on it. Is this a thing that you're trying to get uh, people to like games that like the, the the channel that you're on that only does um, the swordfish? Yeah. Game. Uh, well, like, are you trying to get them to play Amiga Strikers? Uh, I'm trying to get um professional team. Yeah, ba- like there are stream teams doing it. There's a college. Colleges are actually having collegiate tournaments over it. I'm just trying to see mm-hmm. if I can get uh, folks to uh, get folks to basically get more hype for it, start watching streams of it, and then more uh, on top of that, also uh, encourage mm. just hopefully get like some summer events going for folks. Yeah. So this is ground zero for that. Yeah. Inside the table is where you get where you get the audience. So be sure to check that out, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Buy this game or get it for free. Is it free? It's free to play. It's free, it's free to, to play. play. And you get to play as an anime. Yeah. And yeah, I I I I also want to shout out Succession, which had its last episode yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. It was like one of these things where I was feeling really tired and I had to read through all these things and I had to do this all. And um, I sat down to watch the episode, the final episode, and it was so good. It was just fucking great. I loved it. And uh, it gave me the energy to do all these things as, as, as good stuff, as good shows sometimes are. Mm. I will say it's a game. It's a, it's, a, it's a show about terrible people, but it's really interesting. Um, I, I saw that uh, Michael Lutz, uh, which is at on Twitter as something. Uh, uh, I think it's Warren is dead, which is a Lovecraft reference. Uh, did a, uh, a, a a co-host post about it and was talking about how this show is kind of like this modern day equivalent of like an old Shakespeare kind of play or a, a mm-hmm. um, early modern play where they just like depict kings and they talk about kings, but like more broadly they're criticizing the structures that that make kings and make people so ruthless and make people so heartless with all this kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I really liked it. It was a really cool show. It is, it is, it is now over. It had an incredible ending and felt good to watch. So watch all of succession if you can, because that was hugely inspiration, inspirational to me. Loved that show. Um, anyway, you have to go in two minutes, so I will. <laughs> we can end it here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to follow up. Yeah, no, I might start resubscribing to HBO Max because of that show. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's Max yeah. now. You weren't to you know that. Yep, there you go. Yep, Max. Max is the new show now. But yeah, we should clap. <sighs> All right, shit. Uh, uh, Fifty and fifty-five is open. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 50 and 55. No, wait. 55, 55 and, and double O. 60. Yes. It was early. But there we go. We did it. Now be, be free. <laughs>